Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Grace to you and peace from God the Creator and from Jesus Christ, our Teacher and Redeemer, and from the Holy Spirit who binds us together in Christian worship. I want to welcome everyone to worship this morning, whether you're here in person or joining us via Zoom. We are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. We begin our worship by lighting the Christ candle. Whenever we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I would invite you to meditate on the image of the cover of the bulletin, as well as the accompanying statement by the artist, offering this time to God as a prayer to help guide you into this time and space as we listen to the prelude. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. <laughs> <laughs> 
It is holy to gather. It is holy to sing. It is holy to be generous, to throw our coats on the road. It is holy to celebrate justice when we see it. It is holy to shout, Hosanna. It is holy to remember. It is holy to gather. It is holy to sing. Here and now, let us do all of these things. Let us join our voices together as we sing Chorus of Our Faith, which is an insert in the bulletin. proclamation from the heavens to the stones. May we be compelled such as these to speak up and cry out, exalting the name that is above every name, with bended knee and confessing tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The word Hosanna is often sung with joy and glee on this day. We process in, we wave palm branches, and it feels like a celebration. But the truth is, 
The word Hosanna actually means save us. The people along that parade route so many years ago were crying out to Jesus for help because they knew this world is not as it should be. There is still too much hurt here. They were crying, save us, in the prayer of confession. We have our own Hosanna moment because we cry out to God, admitting the ways in which we have fallen short, and we ask for God's saving hand. So friends, let us pray together, for there is still too much hurt here. God of street parades and Hosannas, we know that you are counting on us to speak out against oppression, to speak up for love and to speak hope to fear. But so often we are silent. We worry that we'll say the wrong thing, so we don't say anything at all. We worry that we'll offend, so we keep our convictions to ourselves. We worry that we'll speak up and won't be heard. So we stay silent. And meanwhile, the parade marches on. Unravel our fears. Spark of conviction in us. Give us the courage to yell. Hosanna. Gratefully we pray. Amen. Amen. <coughs> and hear us as we confess to you in the silence of our own hearts. Friends, even when we are silent, even when we are scared, even when we miss the moment, even when we choose to speak and say the wrong thing, we belong to God. There is nothing said or unsaid, done or undone, that can undo that. So rest in this good news. We are forgiven. We are known. We belong to God.
peace of Christ does not come from the excitement of parades. With loud shouts of Hosanna to the Son of David, the peace of Christ comes from resting in the promise of life in his name. Let us share this peace with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. And as we share that peace with one another, I would invite any young people in our midst to come forward for a children's message. Good morning. It is so good to see you guys. How are you doing? Good. All right, I want you to repeat after me. I speak up and tell the truth. And everybody can join us. I speak up and tell the truth. I speak up and tell the truth. I'd like to read this very special book for you. It is called Speak Up. And you have a very important part in this book. All right? Every couple of pages, or almost every page, you see these words? Speak up. You see how they're really big? You need to say them really loud. Okay? As loud, well... I'm looking at you, Atticus. Maybe not as loud as you can, but say them loud, okay? All right. There are times we should be quiet. There are days for letting go. But when matters seem important, speak up. Okay, we can do better than that. Thank you. There we go. Let others know. With so many ways to speak up, like a sign, a smile, a shout. If we could make things better, why not let our words out? When you're being introduced and they get your name all wrong, speak up. Say your name. You are you and you belong. When someone spreads a rumor and you're sure it isn't true, speak up. State the facts. Truth can open up our view. When a rule just isn't fair or has gotten much too old, speak up. Work for change. Justice comes when we are bold. When a person wounds another with their words or with their fist, speak up. Be an ally. Safety comes when we persist. If you see someone who's lonely or they're having a bad day, speak up. Share a moment. Kindness goes a long, long way. When you make a small mistake, even if you didn't know, speak up. Say you're sorry. Learn to listen. Learn to grow. When you have a special day or you're given something neat, speak up. 
Shout your thanks. Gratitude makes life so sweet. When you're sad or packed with feelings and the world seems dark and gray, speak up. Ask for help. Friendship chases clouds away. When trees and creatures suffer from our quick and careless choices, speak up. Rally others. Nature needs our mindful voices. When you know a scary secret about someone getting hurt, speak up. Tell a grown-up. Courage sometimes means you blurt. When the group is taking one path, but you know it's not the way, speak up. Change directions. Leaders don't always obey. Remember that. While some people speak up loudly, and your words might whisper quiet, one voice can make a difference. So don't hesitate. Go try it. The end. That's a pretty good book, isn't it? Yes. So, can you think of a time when you spoke up, when you used your voice? <clears throat> Why did you know that it was important to use your voice? Uh, because something was bad. Mm-hmm, because something was bad or somebody was getting hurt. There are a lot of ways to speak up without our voices. What are some ways that you can think of? Signing, sign language, yeah. What else? A smile, yeah. A hug, writing, painting, drawing. What is something that is really important to talk about? God. God. God is very important to talk about, yeah. Well, in our Bible story this morning, Jesus was ready to go into Jerusalem for the Passover. He asked his disciples to bring him a donkey to ride into the city. When they did, they threw their coats on its back like a saddle. As Jesus rode into the city, a whole crowd of followers came and spread their coats on the ground in front of Jesus. And what did they shout as he rode into the city? Do you remember? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Bless the one who comes in God's name. Peace in heaven and glory all around. Now some of the religious leaders in the city thought this parade, this parade was too loud and too disruptive. They scolded Jesus and said, Be quiet, tell your followers to stop. But Jesus told them, you can't silence the truth. Even if all of these people were quiet, the rocks on the side of the road themselves would shout out. Why do you think the religious leaders didn't want Jesus coming in? Why do you think they wanted the parade to stop? Yeah. Uh, maybe because they wanted to take over everybody else's Yeah, maybe they were afraid he was going to take over where they were. And, and they didn't want to lose their power. Uh, maybe they didn't like Kanye. 
Maybe they didn't like, yeah, maybe. Maybe they didn't like what he was teaching, right? Maybe they were afraid. What do you think Jesus meant when he said that the stones would shout out? Have you ever seen a stone shout? No. So what do you think he meant? It's a bit of a head scratcher, right? Yeah. What do you think? The earth itself, creation, would shout out that the news was just too good. That even if all of those people were quiet, the earth itself would start to sing. Well, there are a lot of important things for us to talk about, and we should always talk about them with love and with understanding. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for giving us many ways to speak. Help us to use our voices and our bodies to speak up and tell the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, I've got a coloring sheet for you. So I want to give you each one. It's just a blank sheet with some instructions on the top. And I want to encourage you to either use the words that are on the top, which say to create a tower of stones to remind you to always speak the truth, or you can draw yourself telling that truth. And uh, if you draw the stones, think about what they might say and draw them saying those things, even though we know that stones don't really ever talk. Or do they? <laughs> okay? Thank you all. It is good to be back with you. Um, the past couple of weeks have been hard for our family. But I want to say that the amount of cards that we have received in the mail just about buried me. Your love, your encouragement, your support have meant the world to us. And we are so, so very grateful. Um, I keep telling people that for many years now, I've ministered to people who have suffered loss and are in grief. And for many years, I have told people, grief comes in waves. Turns out, I'm pretty smart. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, for once. Um, one day at a time. That's all any of us can do, um, but I am just so, so grateful for you as a congregation, as friends and family and faith uh, to be able to walk with you in this. So thank you. Let us pray. Holy God, sometimes life feels like a parade rushing by us as we stand on the sidelines and we try not to miss it. There are hundreds of things that catch our eye, but the thing we fear missing the most is you. 
So slow down the speed of this parade. Paint the colors of this world a little brighter. Dance through the words in our scripture passage until it is almost impossible for us to miss you there. God, we are here. We are trying to pay attention. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. Listen for the word of God. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, even if these were silent, the stones would shout out. A word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we sing together hymn number 199.
seated. The city was shaken. The people of Jerusalem were unnerved. What's going on here? Who is this? They asked. The spectacle of this rabbi from Galilee riding through the city gates on the back of a donkey was such a scene that the daily life of the city ground to a halt for a short time while non-participants tried to wrap their heads around what was happening. The donkey, palm branches, and the whole entrance into the city was Jesus' way of engaging in a form of political street theater. It was planned and choreographed, intentionally set up to challenge not only the established order of the city, but the people's very notion of what a king looks like. In a Palm Sunday sermon a number of years ago, Adam Walker Cleveland, a Chicago area pastor, noted that all around the world, people use street theater as a way to subvert the status quo. You may have seen demonstrations or some other types of creative street performances that had a political message they were trying to get across. These types of performances are not all subversive simply for the sake of rousing up trouble, but they can be done to be prophetic, to present an alternative reality to the way things are. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem that day was set up to be reminiscent of a conquering ruler entering triumphantly into a city in victory. Jesus choreographs his approach to Jerusalem to resemble the advent of conquerors and kings throughout the Mediterranean world. If the people of Jerusalem were following the script... They should come out to meet him on the way, outside the gates of the city, and sue for peace, pledging their obedience in hope of the king's benevolence. Up to this point, the trajectory of Jesus' ministry has rallied the people around him, and their hopes and expectations of a liberating king were, in this instant, at their pinnacle. To fully conceptualize what is taking place, we need to ask this question. What kind of king did they expect? Throughout the history of Israel, the promised Messiah was idealized as a mighty warrior who would unite the people and drive the occupying force from their land, which at this point was Rome. Watching Jesus ride triumphantly into Jerusalem, we can imagine the feverish exhilaration that came from the rapturous vision the people would have imagined of the defeated Roman army crawling away, their dead falling along the road back to Rome. 
it can be quite intoxicating to imagine one's enemies falling to the sword. But Jesus will, over the course of the coming week, turn this violent hope on its head. Now, there are many striking images in this text, but I think that the donkey might be the most compelling. A donkey. The last thing that you would expect a mighty king to be riding into victory. A large beast of a horse? Yes. Thronged with gold and weapons? That is much more in line with what the crowd probably expected. And it is procured in a less than honorable way. This donkey has not been bred for the sole purpose of bearing the Christ into the city of Jerusalem. No, this was a true-to-life beast of burden. A worker pushed day in and day out to bear the weight of her master's work. The disciples are told to go steal this donkey. Oh, sorry, borrow her Though they were only given the line, the Lord has need of this in case they get caught. And honestly, I'm not sure anyone would get away with that line these days. It is an undignified procurement for quite a humble entrance. Now it is impossible for us not to make the association with the donkey that Mary rode while pregnant with Jesus as she and Joseph made the journey to Bethlehem, a donkey quite literally bookends Jesus' life. On that day, as Jesus was preparing to enter the city, throngs of people were waiting. They heard word of this amazing teacher, this powerful man coming to the city, and it's easy to understand why they might have been so filled with hopes and desires. It's easy to understand why they wanted liberation from the oppression of their Roman rulers. It's easy to understand why they were hoping for the coming of the Messiah, a military king who would ride into town on a stallion prepared for battle. A true mighty king who would bring soldiers with him. Someone who would be prepared and able to defeat the despised Romans. A powerful king who would finally take his rightful throne as king of the Jews. But instead, Jesus subverts all expectations, ours included, and shows the people a different kind of king. The Palm Sunday reality was a living parody of that dream. There was no stallion for this Messiah, just a donkey on loan. There was no army for this Messiah, just a ragtag assortment of unemployed fishermen, an errant tax collector, and some vaguely disreputable women. And this Messiah was no vanquisher of Romans. He was just a Galilean rabbi. Place yourself there in that crowd this morning. 
We've all been to parades and celebrations, so it shouldn't be too hard. We know the fervor that gets struck up in a crowd when a marching band begins to play or the town dignitary walks along the route shaking hands and kissing babies. It is a grand thing to be able to celebrate. But what would our reaction be if we saw this man in simple clothes perched atop an undistinguished animal (coughs) coming down the road? Our yelling and waving of palm branches, our excitement at the time of liberation is finally here, might be tempered a bit. In fact, if we're honest, we'd probably cling to our cloaks a little tighter, unwilling to let go. We don't want to lay our cloaks down before Jesus because, let's be real here, That would mean letting go of our expectations and perceptions of how Jesus is going to bring about liberation. When we lay our cloaks down for Jesus, we also have to lay them down for the ones he bears with him. The poor, the sick, the orphan, the widow, the homeless, the despised, the alien... And that is something that we are not very good at doing. We meet refugees with indifference at best, open hostility at worst. We refuse to take bold action on climate change because it would hurt the wealthiest. We hoard and stockpile weapons and medicine for us, and the rest of the world can go spit. And while these may be highly complicated issues, one thing is painfully clear. Our response to those who suffer is our response to Jesus himself. This is something we have acknowledged in our commitment to be a Matthew 25 congregation. The lectionary calendar calls this Sunday, this morning, Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, depending on which lectionary text we focus on. But the liturgy of the palms and the liturgy of the Passion occupy the same stage. They're dramas unfolding so close in proximity that we can scarcely make that emotional shift. Celebration and praise converge with loss and grief. Strength and vulnerability share one liturgical moment, inviting us to shout Hosanna while also bracing ourselves for the poignancy of the crucifixion and the mourning that follows. The liturgy of the palms punctuates the moment with a call to communal faith, courageous proclamation, and conspicuous actions as we consider again our shared identity as the church and community of faith. The events of Palm Sunday and the whole of the Passion narrative that we will recall throughout this week point to liberation. Not just our liberation, but the liberation of all people. If we are going to truly live into the story, that is, 
truly believe the good news Jesus brought us, we have to be willing to lay down our cloaks. Lay them down for those that Jesus bears with him. That means refugees fleeing the war in Ukraine and those seeking refuge along our southern border. It means laying down our cloaks for those who are being denied access to affordable health care. Speaking out against continued racial injustice. Demanding that we face the climate crisis with courage and resolve. It means lifting up a call to end violence, for violence is always the weaker choice, the choice Jesus himself rebukes. And let's not be fooled. If we fail to speak out, that does not mean that the story ends. The rise of the kingdom of God does not depend upon us. It wants us, it desires us, to be active participants. But if we do not cry out, the stones will. Creation will. The earth will. The coming kingdom will not be stopped. This morning, let's consider what is stopping us from laying down our cloaks before Jesus. Why do we continue to hold on so tight Would it really be so bad if we let go? Would it really be so bad if we trusted God more than we trusted ourselves? Honestly, it would be so much easier to retire the cloak around our necks and go on home. That's pretty attractive. Home is comfortable. Home is safe. But we aren't called to save. We aren't called to stay home. We are called to go out into that world, that hurting, hurting world. Out to Golgotha. Out to a place from which we may not return. But that is where our freedom lies. Freedom to truly live and to live abundantly. Amen. <clears throat> Friends, let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we affirm our faith using the words in the bulletin. Go to the village ahead of you and you will find <coughs> a cult tied there. Untie it. And bring it here. If anyone asks you, say, the Lord needs it. We believe in a God that surprises. We believe in a God with a sense of humor. We believe that there are things we may never understand. But we believe that even in the mystery, God is there. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. We believe in giving what we have. Generosity. 
prepared to believe that these small acts can change the world. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully praising God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. We believe in a God who is a miracle worker. We believe in a God of good news. We believe this good news is so good that we cannot help but sing. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd turned to Je- said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. We believe there will be forces that try to silence what is good, good, hopeful, and generous. We do not believe these voices the last word. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. We believe at the end of the day, love will find a way. We believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, I would like to invite Lindsay Hall to come forward for our minute for mission. month of April, we're focusing on a significant topic related to poverty, maternal health. And today I'm going to speak briefly about an element of prenatal and postpartum care, doulas. For those of you who aren't familiar with the term, a doula is someone who supports a birthing person by providing education and consultation throughout the childbearing process. A doula offers hands-on support and resources for navigating labor, birth, breastfeeding, and postpartum care. This is a topic that's important to me because in 2013, our son Thomas was stillborn at 38 weeks. And although the nursing staff at Albany Med was fantastic, it was a terribly traumatic experience. When we learned that I was pregnant with Malin, We wanted to find a way to create a positive experience throughout my pregnancy and especially during the delivery. A friend gave me the name of a doula that she had worked with who was based in Albany and immediately we knew this is what we wanted. Our doula, Betsy, met with us numerous times during the pregnancy, attended prenatal appointments with us and helped us develop a birth plan that was right for us. She advocated for me during the difficult parts of labor when I couldn't communicate the way I wanted to and was there to support Kyle and I the moment Malin entered the world. Betsy's knowledge and expertise helped us create a birth that was truly healing in so many ways, and I'm very grateful for that. We were fortunate to have the means to hire a doula. Many families are not. We were fortunate to have a doula who understood what it was like to be a white woman giving birth. Some families are not. An important organization in the Capital District is addressing issues of access and inequity in maternal health. It's called BirthNet. 
BirthNet is a birth justice organization whose mission is to eliminate the inequities in birth outcomes for all childbearing people and to ensure that all birthing families receive respectful and supportive maternity and infant care. BirthNet is working to address the huge disparities in birth outcomes among African-American women and babies in the capital region. The statistics are a few years old because, you know, COVID, but they're staggering nonetheless. In 2017, in Albany County, the black infant mortality rate was nearly five times the white infant mortality rate. Clearly, this is an issue that requires our attention. Using frameworks developed by black women, the organization BirthNet seeks to bring together medical professionals, policymakers, and families to address difficult topics, to advocate for those whose voices are not always heard, and develop lasting solutions within our communities. In 2019, BirthNet launched their pilot full-spectrum doula training program in which 22 women of color completed a four-day training. BirthNet provided all of the women with full or partial scholarships for the program, where they received professional training necessary to jumpstart their journeys through the rigorous process that must be completed to become a certified doula. This process can be difficult to manage due to travel considerations and costs, but BirthNet helped remove those key barriers to allow all trainees to participate. Because research shows that doulas can have a profound impact upon improving birth experiences and outcomes, both of which are greatly needed in Albany County, especially among people of color. Furthermore, doulas with birth justice training can also mitigate many of the issues of structural racism that families of color encounter during care. BirthNet is an organization that the Mission and Social Witness Committee is now supporting through financial donations and, if the opportunity becomes available, through hands-on work. If you're interested in more information on BirthNet, you can visit their website at birthnewyork.org. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Lindsay. Uh, as I alluded to in my sermon, we've got a busy week coming up. Um, I just wanted to highlight uh, a couple of services. We've got a Maundy Thursday service coming up this Thursday uh, at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. It will also be on Zoom uh, for those who would like to attend like that way. Uh, the same for our Good Friday service, 7 p.m. on Friday, uh, in person and on Zoom. Uh, and then next Sunday, it's Easter. And um, we will be having two services, uh, an outdoor Easter sunrise service at 645. It looks like it's going to be a little chilly, but it's going to be nice. And I'm crossing my fingers on that. Um, and then our traditional uh, Easter Sunday worship at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Um, the Easter sunrise service, uh, because it's going to be outside, will not be able to be on Zoom, unless I can figure something out with my phone, but that's not likely. Um, but the 10 a.m. service will. 
Um, I also would like to take a point of privilege uh, and uh, talk up my wife for a minute. She published a book, and I am super proud of her. And this coming Saturday at, uh, from 3 to 5 at the book house in Stuyvesant Plaza, uh, she's going to be doing a book signing, and I'm just so excited for her. Um, so if you have some time, come on out and get your book signed. Diane. Yes, that Diane points out. Um, thank you for reminding me. We will have goodies between the two services. So if that's a little uh, extra encouragement to come out for the sunrise service, let that be it. Or before, or come early before the uh, later service. Or come to both. I'll be here. <laughs> um, and finally, just uh, one note for the office. Uh, Kim is going uh, to be going away. Their family is going uh, away for vacation. Uh, so she will be out of the office April 14th, 15th, 18th, and 19th. Um, she will return any emails or phone calls when she returns on April 21st. Um, if there is a need for a Facebook announcement, uh, please email uh, Liz Egan. If you need a church-wide email sent out, please email Charlotte or myself. If you need anything that falls outside of those or inside of those, just reach out to me. Let me know. Uh, I will be checking, regularly checking voicemails in the church office while Kim is away. Um, but she is going to, she's going away and she deserves a good vacation. Um, so I will try to keep the office in one piece while she is. <laughs> and that's it. <clears throat> Jesus asked his disciples, When I sent you out without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? They responded, No, not a thing. The act of giving disrupts narratives of scarcity. So as we give our offerings, let us do so as people of abundance.
Let us pray. Jesus came as our king to share your blessings with the world. The one who was greatest among us became the least for us and our salvation. Our servant king humbled himself to sustain our weary souls. Receive the gifts written before you this day, that the whole world may know the glory and the power of your kingdom. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Friends, let us turn our hearts and minds toward God in prayer. Wonderful God, we bow before you in gratitude for the life you have given us in Jesus Christ. In him you have shown us that your love has no boundary. There is no place you will not go to be with us and for us. As you came into Jerusalem long ago, come into our hearts this day. Hear our cries and heal our hurts and hold us close. We pray for our world, your world. We pray for all that is happening in Ukraine, for refugee and soldiers, for leaders and aid workers, for citizens struggling amidst terror and violence. We pray that your spirit would bring forth peace and righteousness comfort, and strength. We pray for those who are sick, for those on the long road of recovery, for those struggling with uncertain diagnoses and seemingly never-ending treatments. We name them before you. Kathy, Tim's mother-in-law, Nancy, Betty's sister-in-law, Carol, Betsy, Sam. We pray for those who mourn, for those bearing the burden of grief day by day. We pray for those who wait and watch and pray as loved ones suffer. Pray for the Delhagen family and for the Knight family. We pray for those who are alone, those who are hungry, those without hope. We pray for the discouraged and the downtrodden, for those unable to look beyond the troubles of this day. We pray for those facing difficult choices, those weighing many options, those dealing with unclear directions on life's journey. We pray for Michael and for Pauline. We pray for those beginning new ventures, trying new things, opening themselves up to fresh possibilities. As another school year begins to draw down, we pray for college and grad students 
who are facing finals and facing the end of this semester, possibly looking forward to graduations and the new possibilities beyond. God, we lift up to you all of these that weigh on our hearts, but we also lift up to you our joys. The joys that remind us of the sweetness of life. For Easter baskets that will bring smiles and love to so many. For a new Supreme Court justice whose confirmation marks a significant milestone in the nation of our, in the history of our nation. For times to be together as families and friends, God, we give you thanks. Oh God, as this holiest of weeks unfolds before us, and we retrace the suffering and the death of Jesus and claim once again the promise of resurrection, we pray that you would seal in our hearts the message of these holy days, that in Jesus you are with us and for us in all things, even suffering, even death, and that in Jesus you have overcome every power that would hurt or destroy. Hear us now as we join your people everywhere in praying in the way Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we sing hymn number 213.
things that I just remembered. <laughs> At the beginning of Lent, some of you took bags to make chains. Bring those in at some point this week so we can decorate the sanctuary with those. I forgot to bring ours to show as an example, and it was going to remind me to say something. I just remembered, thank goodness. Uh, second of all, there are a couple of faces that, I've, that I see that I haven't seen in a while, and I'm so very glad to see you. Glad to see you all, but I'm especially glad to see them. Now, beloved, as you leave this place, may you be awestruck by the beauty of this world. May you laugh and may it be contagious. May you overflow with love for those around you. May you be effusive with hope and quick to point out joy. And in all of your living, in all of your breathing, in all of your being, may you find yourself full to the brim with God's Holy Spirit. And may it change your life. In the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go in peace, full to the brim, remembering who you are and whose you are. Amen.